Hello and welcome to Tully Travels Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome. Um, I'm actually recording this very late. So those of you who are keeping up to us, um, two or three days has passed since I've recorded so I'm going to try and talk about uh, the last two days all in the one in the one pod. So uh, I want to start with uh, the day after day 32 I was in Glenwood Springs and I woke up and I I could barely get out of bed um, the climbing the two three previous days had kind of eventually caught up with me so um, I was like oh I'm not out with this so uh, I decided I wasn't going to stay in Glen Springs but I wanted to get to Grand Junction and it was about 170 kilometres away so I'd heard about this train that I could get and the train is a California's ever and it runs from San Francisco to Chicago and it runs constant it's about two days uh, for that whole journey but uh, I only wanted it for one stop so uh, bought, bought a ticket 20 quid and 20 quid to uh, put on the bike and um, like there's a, a viewing deck in the middle of it so not like your normal train where you're sitting either going one way or the other. You're like, you're turned sideways. So you're looking out the window. You're going through all the canyons and whatnot. So I was like, yeah, it's probably a good experience. So I'm going to do that. So I got up and I was talking with my host in Glenwood Springs. His name is Greg. Um, an interesting man is how I describe him. Uh, interesting life. Um likes to talk then again I like to talk so I had met me match uh, and he was performing magic tricks with cards for me nearly all morning so uh, he just moved into a new uh, to a property and there was boxes and a few bits and pieces everywhere so uh, he was kind of trying to uh, get ahead um, and you know find a home for everything I suppose but anyway um, it became time to leave so he decided he would cycle to the train station with me, just a little spin, probably about two kilometres, said our goodbyes, and then I went to the train station, and the train was delayed by about an hour and a half. So, to be honest, that kind of suited me. I could relax, I could get a bit of breakfast, and, yeah, a few other bits, and um, had a look around the Glenwood Springs. It's lovely. What I've started to notice, though, now is... Um, now you're getting all these souvenir shops and shops that you can buy a bit of a rock because you're in the canyon and you know um you know a lamp that's made out of a rock and when it's turned on it lights up a couple of different colors that type of stuff but um eventually anyway the train came i was so tired getting on the train i could barely keep my eyes open and uh i got talking to a, a young enough fella his name is matthew dalkey I think he said his name was he's a, a youtuber and he was uh, just doing a video about the trains so i was kind of talking to him for a minute um he was going to san francisco and he was documenting his trip along the way so that was nice and um i was in the observation deck and i got sitting down beside uh, an amish man he, he was just on his way back from a community meeting that took place in wisconsin and ohio he had about seven or eight kids with him and the wife 
um, they were all running round but uh, had a nice chat with him to be honest I actually just wanted to look out the window and then we got talking and then yeah just kind of he wouldn't stop talking and I suppose I kept answering him so there was two of us guilty of it so um, Martin Miller uh, was his name and he was from Sacramento he's a, a plumber slash electrician and um yeah, nice man. I was glad I got talking to him and I got a picture with him and whatnot. <clears throat> Landed in in Grand Junction and I had no accommodation lined up. I had contacted two or three people on warm showers and they all either didn't answer me or failed. So I was thinking, I might get a motel or something like that. But maybe 20 kilometres west of Grand Junction is a place called Fruta. So uh, there was only like two or three hosts there. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to message this guy. His name was Sean. And I was like, it's an Irish name. So, you know, he might be, uh, you know, fairly, fairly all right. So messaged him. And I said, you know, I'm just in town. Apologies about the late notice. And I started cycling to Fruta. So I thought, by the time he replies, I might be outside his house. The trail along the way to Fruta uh, was flooded. So I had to shop and I had to turn around. And I was looking at the map. And just as I was looking at the map, Sean messaged. And he goes, how are you? Um, I'm unable to host you, but I, I know two people that could. They're in Grand Junction. So I was like, perfect. Yeah, that suits me. So he got me an address. And it was kind of, I had to go back on myself a couple of kilometers, but I didn't mind. So I um, went for a bit of a spin. Went to a supermarket called City Market. Great shop got a bit of food for myself and then about an hour and a half two hours later I went to this this uh, these people's house it was Aaron and Aaron they were called they're not on warm showers yet but um, big into cycling and sort of they have a, a workshop for vans you know like a camper vans and whatnot. two lovely people like to welcome me a stranger into their house and um, like last minute or whatnot, oh, I was lovely. So it was about nine o'clock at this stage. I was wrecked. Probably chatted until about half nine, quarter to ten, and I went to bed. They were getting up to go on a sunrise uh, cycle in the morning, so they said they would be out the door at five forty-five. I was like, brilliant. That kind of suits me because I want to be up and out. Because it was I had a big day of mileage planned, um, and yeah, just I need to start getting up earlier. Um, next morning, alarm went off at 5am, got out of the bed and I was kind of all ready to go around 25 past 25 to 6. Um, said my goodbyes to, to Aaron and Aaron, but uh, during the night sometime, a man and his wife by the name of David and Jennifer, uh, David and Monica Matea from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, had messaged David Matea's sister owns and runs a coffee shop called Octopus Coffee in Grand Junction is near the airport so when I heard that I thought they were very good to me you know uh, when I was in Cleveland I said I'm going to go down and just you know, get a bit of breakfast and say hello so it was a bit out of the way it was 11 kilometres into the town of Grand Junction when I should have been kind of going in the opposite direction Got there, ordered up my coffee and my few bits, and then I asked uh, for the owner. Uh, Alexis is her name, but she happened to not be there, but her fiancé was there, so 
kind of talking to him and that was all right but um by the time i'd finished my coffee and everything and i got outside alexis had turned up she had been talking to david her brother and i'd been speaking to him as well so ended up having a lovely 10 15 minute chat and headed on my way so um very thankful to have got that opportunity and just that was nice you know just to put a connection together and whatnot so uh from then hit the road to moab is where i was heading which is in utah so uh was on sort of like back roads and whatnot because i didn't want to go on that trail because i knew it was flooded from the day before so it was all right and then eventually i was getting onto a trail and i kept saying signs in trail closed trail closed and i was ignoring them and i met three cyclists coming towards me and not one of them opened their mouth which it it really kind of pissed me off a small bit but anyway I kept going, I kept going, until eventually I came to the trail and it was flooded. And I thought, the last three people that I met would have came here, seen it, and turned around. Surely to God they wouldn't have opened their mouth and said, hey, by the way, in about, you know, half a mile, you're not going to be able to go any further. But no, yet, let someone just carry on. Like, it's, Jesus, an awful trick. Um, so... Anyway, I, I wasn't going to turn around, so I cycled straight through it, and after about 10 metres, the two feet were submerged in water, and I thought, oh shit, so I jumped off the bike, drowned my shoes and socks, and I was walking, walking, and it was getting deeper, and I was like, oh God, no, so the water came up to my knees, and it was muck as well, so I kind of lifted the bike up a bit off the ground, because I thought, I can't like get the bike wet or the bags wet but um thankfully it uh i got around a bit of a corner and it was it was all dry again feet were absolutely drowned you know and all covered in muck so i kind of laid the bike up again a wall and went back into the water and kind of just washed my legs down a bit and so jumped on the bike cycled up a bit of a hill and then i pulled in i said i'm gonna have a quick bite to eat here and whipped off the socks and the shoes because it was warm and there was great drying out so uh doing that anyway i uh, was just looking around me so i was getting to be more and more deserty um so it was, it was really nice it was lovely to see so eventually carried on and i think for about a good hour and a half i was on a road and i didn't meet anyone and i was kind of in the back of my head thinking geez if anything goes wrong here like you know there's no phone signal the, the odd crow, or, you know, insect, you could hear rattling. But uh, you, you're being a bit of bother. But anyway, um, we're getting nearer and nearer anyway to the Colorado-Utah state border when I, I looked at the map and had a bit of coverage and I was like, the Ute, I'm on the wrong road for the Welcome to Utah sign. So I had to go a bit cross-country throw the bike over a wired fence and then try and jump over it myself and um, lucky enough it worked out and anyway got to the sign there was one car there and uh, they were just pulling off so I whipped out the phone and done my bit bit of a party piece they took a picture and done a bit of a dance and I was messing around but um, the car pulled up then and a gentleman jumped out and he 
was walking down to me. He goes, do you want me to take your picture? I said, no, no. I said, I'm all good. Thank you. I said, I've got one. And um, I said, I'm just going to hang out for half an hour just to relax a bit. And so this man's name was Glenn Floyd. We ended up getting a picture together, but um, he was asking about my cycle. Was told him the, told him the crack. He said about 10 years ago, him and his two kids, who were teenagers, cycled. I can't remember exactly from where, but they cycled to Washington State. I think he said he was from just outside Seattle. So I'm presuming he cycled from maybe D.C. to uh, to Washington. And, you know, he was, he was kind of getting a bit in emotional and animated while he was talking to me. And then... Um, he goes, yeah, my two kids, and, you know, we done it, and they were teenagers, and brilliant. And he goes, you know, and just after we done it, I'm nearly sure he said, he definitely said the number five, but I don't know, was it five years or five months? He said, one of my kids died after it, and he burst out crying. And uh, he ended up just kind of launching himself at me and hugging me. And he goes, no, you need you need to do this, man, you know. It's a memory, and every time they know I'm... Because I'm driving by the places me and my kids where I have to stop and take a picture, like, and uh, so I think he was going to. I know where he was coming from, but I know he was going towards Washington, probably his home house, and it probably triggers the memory of the journey him and the two kids like had. So, you know, it's it was a funny one, like, um, only met the fella, and you know, it was that kind of emotional straight away. It was. It was unique, you know, when you just meet someone new and, you know, he wasn't able to maybe keep it together, but uh, it must be an awful thing, like, to lose a child, like, especially with the, you know, well, any time, but after doing a big trip like that as well, like, you know, it's a big thing. But anyway, um, we got each other's details, took a picture on Facebook, and he said, you know, if you ever know what, if you're ever you're passing Washington State, call me. He said, I'd love to to hang out with you and all that so um, it was nice you know that little engagement there so anyways hit the road again and I was on a motorway now called I-70 very busy I think speed limit is about 80 mile an hour so I, I was like I need to get off this road and um, I knew I was going to get off it eventually but I ended up coming off it probably a little sooner than I should have and I ended up going on like gravel tracks I was in the middle of nowhere where no one was around and the ground was soft. So um, I knew from where I was, I was roughly 20 to 25 kilometers away from a town called Cisco in Utah. My warm showers host in Moab told me that was the last place to get food or water. So by the time I got to Cisco, I hadn't a drop of water on me, like very, very thirsty, and just roasting hot because it was baking now in the middle of the day got to this shop and I bought eight one litre bottles of water I bought four bottles of Gatorade and I bought two cans of coke and by the time I was ready to leave the only thing I had left was two bottles of Gatorade and four bottles of water I was just crushing fluid into me I was so thirsty Obviously, I hadn't got to the toilet either, so you can tell the body is, is crying out for, for liquid. So I um, messaged my host, and uh, just the way like it was all going, I was like, oh, it's going to be 9 o'clock now before I, I reach this fella. 
So um, I was on a road called the 128, and it was probably one of the most scenic roads I've been on to date. You're starting to go into like a canyon, big red rocks everywhere. I was stopping every two minutes taking videos and pictures because I was thinking I might never be here again, so I may as well make the most of it. So then um, you're passing campgrounds all along the way and you have the Colorado River and the bends of it uh, the whole way. And people, to a certain extent, were friendly. So I ended up passing a particular spot. Uh, and I was about 10 to, 10 to 5. Come 5 by 5. I'm not joking yet. I don't think there would have not, not been a minute where there was a car overtaking me until half seven. Two and a half hours of constant traffic. Turns out there's a Kevin Costner movie being filmed along the water. And obviously they must work till five and then everyone has to go into Moab to stay because you're in the middle of the desert. Every, well not every, but the majority of cars were like, um, SUVs or pickup trucks and like max two two people in them it was just a, like train of cars there's no hard shoulder no one wants to wait <coughs> everyone's finished work they just want to get home so it was a very nervy two and a half hours um, anytime there was a gap you know or a bit of a shoulder I'd go as tight as I could into it you know so because you, you'd be meeting traffic as well like in no one wanted to wait, like there was no respect at all, like. But um there was one pickup truck and it was stuck behind me going up a hill and I could see it. The minute I got my head above the hill, I put my hand out and I waved him as if to say, Come on, you're you're all good, like. So he went to overtake me and he was going very slow and some fella uh kinda threw his head out the window and he goes, Thank you, my friend and they were going very slow and then all you heard was a big rev from the SUV and the exhaust for the SUV is on the right hand side of the car big cloud of smoke comes out of it and straight into my face well I thought that wasn't very nice uh, he might have used different language but um, that kind of really annoyed me then so um, I just set on everyone then after that so I thought, I'm not going to stick into the, the hard shoulder now. People are coming up behind me. They have speed. All they have to do is move their foot up and down. So I thought, they can always. So I started cycling. A bit in they could not overtake when the car was coming. You could just hear them then, like, breaking hard as they were getting close to me because they knew they wouldn't make it. And I thought, that was just... someone runs into the back of me, so be it. But they're at fault, in my opinion. Do you know, they're, they're speed, speeding and... Windy roads, they don't want to waste a second, you know, but kind of just, well, the, 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 it's never going to change, but uh, just, you know, it's funny how people in the car, they just think, oh, look at this book, he's holding me up. But yeah, put yourself on the saddle and, geez, I'm going as quick as I can and we can't, can't go any quicker, you know, but um, anyways, we'll move on from that. Had no coverage the whole time anyway. I was in this canyon and then about half eight, uh, I got to the outskirts of Moab and uh, I got coverage. So I texted my warm showers host and I said, I knew I was six miles away, but I told him I was 10. 
because I was absolutely starving. And I thought, I'm, I'm going getting food. So um, he was like, yeah, all good. There's a French guy here called Quinton. He's a warm showers host as well. So, um, yeah, you might meet him or whatever. So I thought, I'm here now. I'm going to take him a diamond. I was wrecked. And then I thought, there was no mention. Of, I, I asked him, does he want me to bring Anthony? And he said, no. So uh, rather than me going, do you know, is there any dinner there? Or anything like that, I said, I'm as well eat. And, you know, it takes kind of the... The risk out of it. So I went to McDonald's. Wasn't great, but still, I've never ate a burger as quick in my life. Um, and got a, the biggest Coca-Cola. And just sculled it into me. I needed a bit of sugar, you know, just get something sweet into the body. So then arrived uh, eventually at my warm showers house. Lovely house. Down the cul-de-sac, you know, overlooking... His back garden is looking at like a red cliffs and whatnot. And, um, met the French guy, Quentin. He's a bit younger than me, I'd say. But I um, don't know if this warm showers horse is ever going to hear it, but this, because I, I never really got talking to him. I, within five minutes, he was going to bed, and so was the French villain. I just showered and I went to bed with him. He seemed like he was in the mood, um, the host. Don't blame him. I was killed apologising for arriving late. But um, he seemed to be seen off. Well, that's what I felt. And then again, it might have been his demeanour. So I went to bed, set the alarm for six. It went off and I said, fuck that, I ain't getting up. I'm wrecked. I'm still dehydrated. The body's wrecked. So um, eventually then I did get up and the French lad had left. So I was talking to the, the host. Aaron was his name. And... Um, It was like pulling teeth trying to talk to this guy. I felt I was all I was doing all the talking and just you know, asking questions. But it seemed like a fella when you would talk to him, he didn't care. It's like oh, such an effort to talk, you know. So just general chit chat. I was asking about the warm showers host, and he said, "Yeah, he's been here a few days." So I think he might have been pissed off, you know, that this this guy had maybe overstayed his welcome, and then. Um, he had told me before I arrived, he said, you can't stay a second night because I have people coming over. And I said, that's fine. There's only one night I want anyway. But um, he told me, French fella is going to stay in a hostel in the town because he wants to explore Moab a little more. And I don't blame him because it's lovely. So um, as time got on, I was like, right here, to hell with this. I'm here trying to bleed blood out of a stone talking to this fella, just asking him a bit about himself and... You know, and I said, I'm out of here. So I said, yeah, I'm off. Good luck. He goes, what's your plan for today? And I told him I planned on going down the road uh, about 100 kilometres, but it was 8 o'clock now at this stage, piping hot. I knew in my head I wasn't going anywhere. But um, he was like, oh, well, let me cycle you to town. So fair play, he ended up bringing me into town within five minutes down the cycle lane, or track. Surely to God, it was lovely. But, um... Time kind of got closer then to the end. Jeez, I couldn't stop him talking and he was very friendly. But I think it was just that initial, you know, I, I don't know, he's just trying to feel you out, see how you're all right, but I was kind of that tired. I was like, oh, can't be bothered with this. Said our goodbyes anyway, and uh, as of today, I've decided to stay in Moab. Um, badly needed to do laundry. Just so tired, but it's, it was obviously from the effort and everything, the heat. 
and dehydration. So um, I've booked into a bit of a motel here in the town for the night, doing laundry. There's a swimming pool here. I was able to wash my bike and just do a few little touches up. So um, I might go out and explore later and eat. I need to eat a lot of food today. From now on as well, I really, really need to be on the road as early as 5 a.m. Because come 9 o'clock, it's about 25 degrees and then it's only climbing higher and higher. The temperature for the next week is going to be getting hotter and hotter, but like, you, know, you won't get a day under 30, 30 degrees. So I think I'm about 800 kilometers to get to Phoenix. So I'm really hoping tomorrow I can do a, a good 150. Maybe the same then the next day. Then just ease it off, you know, maybe do 80 to 100 then, just in the run into um, Phoenix. Start at 5am, call it all off, latest 12, you know, and really need to, like, from 5 till 9, have a good 70, 80 kilometres done. And I'm just kind of, you know, it might take me an hour or two just to do the last 10 kilometres, but... um, Otherwise, the body, I can just tell the body's not able for it. Do you know, it's been six weeks on the saddle already. The diet, you know, the body, there's, there's no uh, water retention in the body. So I'll just, I'm starting to fade even more. And I'm tying on the odd t-shirt there during the week uh, that I had. And it's sw- I'm swimming in, in it. Um, do you know, I was tight enough when I first landed in New York back in April. And well... It's probably a size too big for me now. But, um, just, yeah, I don't really want to lose. Got too much of a shell because it is dangerous and, you know, you, you won't have energy from it. But, um, Jesus, I've just seen I'm talking for 26 minutes. I apologise. But there was a lot to kind of talk and with a few days off. Um, I did talk to my warm showers host in a place called Dillon in Colorado. His name was Alex Cole. Really, really nice guy. He was uh, renovating his house. Um, and just a cool dude from Washington, D.C., but now works for Apple. I interviewed him, and this is what he had to say. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another chat. Uh, I'm here with my host, Alex Cole, originally from Washington, D.C., but is now based in uh, Dillon, Colorado. Jeez, that nearly fell out of my head. Alex, you're very welcome. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Yep, we're here in Dillon, Colorado. Uh, originally from Washington, D.C. Um, grew up there, really enjoyed it. Um, really fortunate that I grew up there. I was also really fortunate to leave Washington, D.C. Um, I left D.C. and I actually hopped on a bike and biked to San Francisco. And I now find myself in Dillon, Colorado. This is probably among the best skiing in America. There's five ski resorts within 30 minutes. And I came out here for skiing. And right now uh, it's June 3rd, June 5th. And it's a high of 60 degrees. So these summers out here are incredible. Um, But yeah, I'm just excited to have this conversation. Cool, man. Um, Before we start, uh, we've been yapping for an hour, Alex. Um, Just to give people back home a bit of a picture we're in uh, your trailer uh, otherwise known as what I would call a mobile home yes your house is getting renovated 
and yeah, life is good <laughs> for yourself. Yeah, so we have a house. Um, my partner and I, she and I, we bought the house last fall. Yeah. Um, and it, it needs a lot of work. So we're doing a lot of work right now. We're renovating it. Luckily, uh, I work for Apple, so I've been financially comfortable enough to fund this renovation. It's going to last five months total. Right now, we're a little over the one-month mark, and we've set up our HQ in this trailer, which is in our driveway. When I told my girlfriend that uh, we were going to live in a trailer, she was not very happy. No. But... Actually, James, when you walked in here, you said, this place looks pretty nice. It sure is. I, I'd live here. <laughs> gladly. Gladly. But um, first, uh, or just to mention again, Alex, uh, you only changed your location. You said yesterday on warm showers. <laughs> and the same day I reached out and just wanted to say thank you for accepting my request and hosting me. So I think it was, it was good timing. This is the beauty of warm showers. Yeah. But um, other than... That with the house and everything. How are you today, Alex? How's uh, your day been? Well, I played pickleball for five hours uh, this morning. I worked for two hours. And I helped manage stuff with the renovation. And then I was looking forward to having you over, James. So today is a very good day. It sure is. And it's sunny. Yeah, that always no helps. No rain. That always helps. Um, I know you touched on it there briefly, but... Uh, do you mind telling the people that are listening um, what it was like growing up in Washington, D.C.? And now, I suppose, with life and everything, you've ended up in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in D.C. Uh, my mom work, works for the federal government. Um, like I said before, a really good education system. And I really enjoyed it. I actually first hopped on a bike. Uh, really, a bike became a part of my life when I was in middle school. And I would commute to my middle school that was five miles away. I was that kind of crazy guy, crazy kid, like waking up at 5.30 a.m., uh, biking in the dark, biking in the rain, biking in the snow, Jeez. and continue that through high school. So for me, the bike was more of a means of transportation. I also was a pretty fat kid before I hopped on the bike, so it helped uh, tone, slim me down. Um, but it was just really empowering. And uh, when I graduated undergrad uh, from a small liberal arts school in Maryland, uh, we graduated on a Saturday, May 11th. Uh, 2013 and then on May 12th uh, within 12 hours we packed up our whole entire dorms um, put all of our lives for the next two three months onto bikes and then the next morning after about three hours of sleeping we pushed off from the Lincoln Memorial uh, in, in in DC and then uh, 44 days later we found ourselves in San Francisco we were hauling ass. Uh, we averaged about 80 miles a day. And looking back on it, a couple of takeaways. One, uh, people are really, really awesome. People are good. Um, sure, 0.1% of the world is bad. Um, it's unfortunate that they get, they get all of the headlines. But just going across America and making yourself vulnerable, being on the side of the road and not having a place to stay in fact, our last night when we were in um, Napa Valley, in Napa, California, we had no Airbnb uh, lodging. We were knocking on church doors, nothing. And so we just started knocking on random houses. The first house that we knocked on, the lady said, come on in. She thought 
we were, her husband and son coming back from, uh, they went to a race that day. And she's like, oh, oh, hey. But it turns out they were sailing across the world and they had to come back home because there was a death in the family. They came back home to Napa just for a couple of days and they knew exactly where we were, at least figuratively in our life, because we were in the same spot. We were both on this incredible journey. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that people are good. People just stay curious and don't build walls because you're going to miss out on so many interactions. Um, second takeaway was just like slow travel is the best way to do it. It's so much more rewarding uh, when it comes to the physical aspect, when it comes to the human to human aspect. Um, and I've continued to bike throughout my life in the US, Madagascar, Cuba, China, v uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. Um, I think that's it. But I, found my, I find myself in Dillon, Colorado to go back to your question, just because uh, I work for Apple supply chain. I started the job July 2020. And so it happened to be remote, not because it was planned, because but because COVID hit. And I would, uh, if I hop on a computer, I would much rather hop on my computer in Dillon, Colorado with this view. Yeah. Uh, from this view right now, we can see a 13,000 foot mountain. And then if we go about 20 feet the other direction, we can probably see another four or five peaks over 13,000 feet. So if I was going to work remote, I definitely want to be in a place that I enjoy. Um, I ski instruct in the winter. And so to have this work-life balance where ski in the winter and work a little bit in the summer, go play pickleball, work a little bit. If you notice, the skiing and the pickleball come first before work. Yeah. And you know, you're dead right. You've got a good uh, work-life balance. Yeah. So fair play to you. No. Um, just uh, kind of go back in a few bits there. You're, you're a very well-traveled man, Alex. You, you've been across America uh, to many states uh, and places like many people wouldn't have know of or maybe go to Madagascar, Southeast Asia. Um, what did you think of all these places? Um, well, for, to your first point, not of people have gone there. I kind of have this affinity to going to places that people don't go. Untouched. <laughs> Un uh, untouched, but also, more importantly, untouched when it comes to my own expectations. If I hear a good friend talking about how much she loved this one place, I get this mental expectation of, oh, I'm really going to enjoy it. I found out that when I go there, I'm usually let down. <laughs> so if I go to places with no expectations, uh, I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, true. You're spot on. Yeah, so like going to Madagascar, I was there in the Peace Corps. The Peace Corps is an American government organization. They send Americans abroad to do international development work. I was in a small village, no running water, no electricity in central Madagascar. And actually when I applied... Um, I, I, I could locate Madagascar on a map, but I couldn't tell you anything more than that. Uh, I could also tell you there was a movie based off that. Um, but believe it or not, there is a country out there <laughs> besides a little movie. Um, and also I've been to Cuba. Um, Cuba has a big stigma in America. 
huge stigma. Uh, Cuban-American relations are uh, have been <laughs> abysmal for the last 50, 70 years. And recently they've hit a, a new recent low. Believe it or not, Americans used to go to Cuba a lot in the early 1900s. It was a big destination. It's only 90 air miles from Florida. But when you go there, it's on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to social, political, religious, intellectual, everything. Um, and unfortunately for the Cubans, it's almost like going back in time because the economic state of the country hasn't, they've valued social cohesion over economic development. Um, I've biked there and I do have to say though that Cuba is probably my favorite place to bike in the whole entire world. It's a combination of things. First, you have roads that have been maintained by the stronger state government. Unfortunately, you have Cuban people that can't afford cars. So you have a lot of roads, not a lot of cars, which is perfect for a bike packer. Um, and also the American dollar goes far over there. Um, and in Cuba, they have a whole entire network of uh, Casa Particulares, which are very similar to like, they're just uh, like bed and breakfasts. $20, you get a place to stay, you get home-cooked meal for dinner and home-cooked meal for breakfast, and you hop out on the road and you're good. And also it's a very temperate um, climate, so it's great to go in like the November through March seasons or so. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been a decent amount of places on the bike as far as picking them. Sure, I try to uh, proactively seek them out, but I usually go places that not a lot of people have gone. Good man, no, that's good. It's rather than doing the, the the norm, as they say. Yeah, it's easier to it's easier to to, to go on the road more traveled because it's nice and paved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <clears throat> sometimes sometimes it's not as rewarding. Yeah, no, no, I, I get what you're saying. You're spot on. You're spot on. Yeah. Um, You've kind of answered a few other questions that I was going to ask you there, but uh, you, you've never been to Ireland. I have not. Not uh, yet. Not yet, but now I plan on it. Good man. <laughs> well, you're always welcome in Ireland, so um, uh, you'd, you'd enjoy it, I'm sure. There's plenty of mountains there. Uh, maybe not as high as they are in Colorado <laughs> here, but, but they're mountains to us. Yeah. But... Um, I ask these few questions to everyone, Alex. But um, sports is a big thing in America. You know, you have basketball, football, baseball, hockey. It's something for every season. Do you follow much of the sports, or what are your teams? So I grew up a really good, a really huge baseball fan. I played baseball through college. Yeah. I've come to a realization at this point in my life. It's so slow. <laughs> I can't watch a baseball game anymore. Yeah. Um. I've recently taken up pickleball. I, I'm a bit of a pickleball player myself, uh, actually. Two aficionados over here. And it's this great blend of physicality, strategy, and social. Um, so I just really enjoy it at this point in my life. Right now, what's going on in America, um, there's the NBA Finals. So the Denver Nuggets. Uh, first time they've got into the first playoffs. First time they've ever made it to the finals. Finals, oh yeah. Um, they are tied one-to-one -one right now with the Miami Heat. 
I'm a bandwagon fan. I became a Nuggets fan about three weeks ago, and I'm a huge Nuggets fan right now. For another three weeks. And For another three weeks, and then we'll see what next next uh, next year has in store. Yeah, well, geez, I, I hope to do it. It'd be great to see it. Yeah. Rather than always the big team winning or the... the, the the underdog. Yeah. The underdog. It's it's always a good story. Aye, aye. But um, do you mind maybe, Alex, sharing a favourite memory you have in your life or a day that sticks out in your mind for the people that are listening? Um, I hate to sound cliche, but I, I will bring up that bike across America. When we finished, we went to San Francisco. Um, it was 10 years ago. Actually, like 10 years ago in about five days. So we're coming up on the decade anniversary. But I remember going across the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge was, that was our symbol for our whole entire trip. That was our our, our North Star. I remember when we were in D.C., we joked around and we would ask people, excuse me, which way is the Golden Gate Bridge? And so it was a, it was a joke that was building over thousands of miles. And when we finally got to the Golden Gate Bridge, I have to be honest, I was let down. Oh, no. I was let down because I, I feel like a human is so much more propelled when one has a goal. I felt like I achieved my goal. And it was my first time in that whole entire year leading up to the trip that... I felt kind of deflated. Um, but then I looked to my left and my right, and there were three other guys with whom I biked, and we all had smiles on our face, faces. And we looked across the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco Bay, to the um, San Francisco cityscape, and I realized it was all worth it. Sure, in the moment, uh, I don't have a goal, but it was well worth it to endure hail, headwinds, wall clouds, ups and downs, perhaps more downs than ups, um, and to do it with other people. And James, I applaud you because you're doing it headwinds and you're doing it solo. Um, it takes a certain mental state or perhaps uh, insanity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Screw, screw loose. <laughs> to, to do that because that's just hours and hours uh, in your own mind and your body, your mind fails before your body. 100%, yeah. I fully agree. The physical parts you can get used to, but uh, the brain kind is the biggest. Yeah. Bit you have to try and get over. But um, you know, thanks for saying that. But, um, you know, it's funny, you know, people say, say that, you know, geez, you're doing it on your own. Really and truly, I don't feel I am. You know, when I meet all these warm showers hosts like yourself, I have friends and family along the way, and all the engagements throughout the the day. Like I, some days I might talk to no one, and then the next day I might talk to a hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you talk to anyone that kind of even glances at you, and it's it's all part of the experience. But yeah, no, it's been great. But um, thanks for sharing that. But um, just for people that are listening as well. Uh, so Dillon, Colorado, is west of Denver, probably about a hundred miles. Uh, we're we're sixty-seven miles to be exact. 67. There's a there's a roadside 
about a couple blocks down from here and it says Denver 67 miles so that's how I know perfect <laughs> um, so for anyone that's never heard of Dylan Colorado those who have heard thinking about coming to visit why would they or should they come or what's what's the pull it's the outdoors the outdoors is the biggest pull we live at 9,000 feet we're surrounded by mountains that have uh, 14ers several three mountains within this county that are over 14,000 feet. So it's the outdoor adventure that is the biggest selling point for Dillon, Colorado. I do have to say that while that is why I came here, I wanted to ski, I wanted I, I wanted to bike a lot, I wanted to hike a lot, and I, I've been able to do that. The small community has kept me here. I grew up in DC, um, and when you went to the grocery store, you wouldn't bump into anyone. But in Dillon, Colorado, when I go to the grocery store here, uh, last week I bumped into four or five people, separate parties on that one grocery store run. And I never thought that I'd actually value that. <laughs> uh, but here I am. I'm in my mid, I'm in, I'm 32 years old and I'm just really happy about this smaller community because people take care of you, you take care of other people, and it's a very rewarding lifestyle. And to have this small community nestled in this delightful uh, outdoor environment, it's an incredible blend. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, you know, the city life. You know, people mightn't talk or look at one another, and then when you come to a smaller place, it's a bit tighter. It's has a nice feeling. Yeah. Do you know? Sometimes it's too small, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, more often than not, uh, I'm really happy that I somehow managed to settle here. Brilliant. Well, good luck to you, uh, Alex. I hope you're here for many more years. Uh, yeah. I, I, me as well. <laughs> you, never, you never know, I might be back again for, <laughs> once the house is finished. Yeah. But um, just before we go, uh, Alex, <clears throat> have you any final words or a piece of advice in general? to live by for the people that are listening actually yeah um i used to lead bike trips with a company called backroads and a lot of the guests i would have 20 new guests every single week and they were all very well off and majority of the time i was just trying to make conversations and one of my go-to questions was what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were in your 20s or in your 30s. And one of our guests said, well, in your 20s, it's all about gaining experiences. In your 30s, it's about building something, building a legacy, building a family. And he was right and wrong. <laughs> he was right because yes, 20s, all about having experiences. And then he's wrong because Sure, in your 30s, you want to build a legacy, but you still need to have experiences. And I'm going through that right now in my life, where in my 20s, I did a lot of things and I'm really appreciative of it. In my 30s, I'm starting to, air quotes, have a big boy job. But now I need to figure out how can I blend those two? Because otherwise, uh, this opportunity that is called life is going to pass us too quickly yeah so, brilliant yeah so 
get, get a good mix between uh, experience and legacy yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's, that's a good outlook to have. Yeah. Well, Alex, uh, once again, thank you for hosting me. Thank you for a great evening. Uh, it was great talking to you. Likewise. Uh, thanks a million. Safe travels. Thank you.